Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. I like to think of the mission of PCOS Diva as helping women to reclaim their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness so that they in turn can go and live the life and complete the mission that they are supposed to do here on this earth without PCOS holding them back. And today's guest is somebody who has done just that. I met Nafshin Luar back in 2015. She completed my Jumpstart program. And then we went on to work together in my private coaching program. She has since gone on to truly live the life that she was meant to live as a transformational speaker, life coach, and artist. And I've invited her on the PCOS Diva podcast to talk to us about how we can change the way we see the pain in our life as a pathway to our purpose. I'm so excited to welcome Nafshin on the PCOS Diva podcast. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me here. It's It's been such an honor to have you be a part of my journey and to be able to be in a space where I can give back to you and your community. So I would love for you to start by sharing your story with listeners because you have a very powerful story to share. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy. So um, my story starts out where, you know, I was born and raised in uh, Kenya and I was the youngest out of four girls. And my second sister didn't grow up with us. She grew up in a different household. And from the age of four till the age of 12, I was severely molested by two of my cousins. And they were not living with us, but they were well in their uh, late uh, 20s to you know early 30s. And so it's not like they didn't know what was happening, but um, it's just something that I went through at the time. And then when I was 12 in Kenya, we only had about two channels that we used to get. And I was watching Oprah one day and um, she was talking about molestation. And that's when I realized that what was happening wasn't really 
supposed to be happening. It wasn't normal. And so I started to keep distance from these people. And then they instilled a lot of fear in me. So I, I didn't have an avenue or a place to speak about this. And if I try to speak, you know, um, these are things in our culture that are very much put under the rug and it's, it's nobody wants to hear about it. So I couldn't really speak to anyone. And from a young age, I, re I started to gain a lot of weight, especially in, in uh, the lower part of my body, because those are the areas that um, tend to keep us safe. And so I, I started to gain a lot of weight and um, I used food as uh, a survival mechanism. And also it was my best friend. And so I became addicted to food because we didn't have access to coming from the culture that I'm in. We didn't have access to all the any other kind of drugs. Otherwise I would have probably, you know, been addicted to something else. And so as, as the weight kept coming on, it was a way for me to numb out. And um, as I got into my teenage years, I started self-mutilating because I had no idea on how to deal with the emotional pain and the shame once I realized what was happening was, was wrong and bad and all of that. So for me to be able to associate my pain with some kind of a wound, I had to inflict physical wounds on my body to be able to, to um, identify with a physical wound because I couldn't identify with the emotional wound. So I had a reason to feel pain, like physical pain. And so I continued to do that for a, a number of years. And as, as uh, graphic as it sounds, it kept me alive in some way, shape or form, being able to feel that physical pain kept me alive. And there was a time where, you know, um, I was on the dining table and my dad saw some scratches on my hands and cuts and he asked me what happened. And I was very afraid to say what happened. So I didn't, I made some kind of story up, but then I realized that if I continued to do this, then they would find out and I would be in more trouble than I am. So I stopped doing that and my dad was the closest person to me in my life and uh, the, the only man I guess I feel like. So uh, in 98 he passed away due to a cardiac arrest and and so we were moved from Kenya to the U.S. because my mom's side of the family lived here and um, she you know she we all migrated here because my grandparents sponsored us. And living in Kenya, you hear all these wonderful things about the US and that there are so many people like me because obesity is not, by this, by this time I was pretty obese and obesity is not something that you, um, that is common in Kenya. So I got teased a lot and I got judged a lot. And, and you know, I always heard, heard that there's people here just like me, people are gonna love me and support me and I'll find so many options and ways on how to, deal with the weight but I was pretty much numbed out on life by that time because I I had not known how to grieve my dad or or let him go or you know I still held on to so much of him and as soon as I got off the plane my family here was like hey how come you gained so much weight and, and I've just gotten off the plane so I felt like I didn't belong I didn't belong uh in Africa with my family and friends there. I didn't belong here. And the people who ex are supposed to accept you exactly how, how you are, are not. Because growing up, I was also always told that 
you're not considered beautiful if you're not skinny or light-skinned. And so the standards of beauty in my culture are you have to be skinny, otherwise you're never going to get married. And um, so my self-esteem was completely, you know, non-existent. Even in school, growing up, my self-esteem was non-existent because uh, the sister, my, my older sisters went to the same school I did and they were straight A students and I had a lot of learning disabilities and I was an artistic student, not an academic student, so I never brought in the grades. And my teachers always said, your, your, um, your sisters are so much smarter than you. What happened to you? So I always grew up with this like mentality of not being worthy, not being good enough, just like this little person who was just existing. And so as we moved here, uh, my older sister, my, I moved here with my mom, my older sister, and myself. And um, she got married and she went to Los Angeles and I ended up staying with my mom uh, for the last 23 years. And I felt like my job was, you know, to be the good, the good Muslim daughter and um, to, you know, get the good job, graduate from college, get a good job, buy her a home and do everything I needed to do to take care of moms, to my mom. So I proceeded to do all of those things. And like, I was always living outside of myself as a young child to be accepted despite the way that I looked. these things just so I would be liked and accepted and that was my way of living life so I did the same thing here with all my cousins and all my friends in college and I was just always living outside of myself for other people and as I graduated college with a degree in design and photography it was very hard for me to get a job uh, in those fields where I lived so I ended up getting uh, a job at Apple and uh, it was a very technical job. Grateful for the job because it brought a lot of good in my life. I was able to buy the home for my mom and you know, secure her life and all of that. And this is the time where um, I had reached about 350 pounds by the time I graduated from college and started my job at Apple. And uh, this is when you know I met somebody that really changed and transformed my life. Her, her name is Lorraine and she goes by Tots and she was a personal trainer. So she taught me uh, that giving up on myself was never an option, that every dream I ever saw, I could dream 10 times bigger than that or a million times or a hundred times bigger than that. She taught me how to dream my biggest dream. And she always taught me to do it for you. And I never really knew what that meant. I never really knew what self-love meant or do it for you meant or whatever. I just wanted to be validated outside of myself so you know because of her I started boxing and I started doing races and I did like you know 20 something races in one year and I did two half marathons even though I had surgery in my arm and all of that so she really taught me one how to be an athlete at any size two how to be comfortable in my own skin to wear colors and to love life and um, to really live from within and so even though I learned all these things, at the end, I was always doing the exercise and accomplishing these goals because at the end of the day, I had somebody to tell me, you're doing a good job. Like it was all for this validation of, oh my God, if I do all of these, 
I'm going to be worthy and validated by somebody at some point. So let me do all these things. I was still not doing it for me. I didn't really understand what that meant. And as I was going through these hurdles, I also had to have surgery in my right arm because I, uh, because working at Apple, I, I got repetitive strain due to, due to typing. And so this was a, a semi wake up call for me uh, because, you know, if I lost mobility of my right arm as an artist, I would never be able to create again. And so I had to have surgery and I went, I went a whole year with this nerve pain and after it healed and I was ready to go back to work. And then once I got ready to go back to work, soon after that, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. So this was my really, really, really huge wake-up call. And um, this is where, you know, I was diagnosed once and they gave me treatment and then it got better. And then I was diagnosed a second time. The second time I was diagnosed, I was, you know, in shock because they didn't know because it came back pretty fast after after the first time and they didn't know uh, if what stage it was at unless they would operate and remove my uterus so at this point i it was after my second diagnosis there were six weeks left and at this point was where um I was sitting in bed one night and I had four weeks towards my surgery and I was crying and really, really sick to my stomach. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen with my life. I don't know if I've made a difference to anybody in the world. I, I have nothing to show off my life. I came and what if I die at this age? I have, I've done nothing to change anyone's life. And I've always known from a young, young age that I'm here to help people in some way, shape or form, to cause some kind of healing, to make some kind of a difference, to, to impact someone's life. I've, I've always known that as, as a child, even maybe the, from the earliest time that I was maybe six, I've always known that this is something that I have to do in, in my life. So I was sitting in bed that night and I don't know, I got this this insane amount of strength. And I always quote Rumi on this. And, you know, this quote is, the wound is where the light enters you. So mm -hmm. in your deepest, darkest times is when you find inherent strength that you never knew existed, but it's always been there. So I was sitting in bed and I was like, okay, I'm, you're, you have four more weeks to your surgery. How do you, how do you want that to play out? Do you want it to, do you want to be sick for the sick and make yourself miserable for the rest four of your week, four weeks, if that's all you have left, or are you going to change that for yourself? And then I, I don't know if it was a voice that I heard inside of me or what it was, but something just told me you're going to be fine. Like this is happening for your biggest and highest growth. Mm. I don't know what that voice was, but it was probably my, my, my inner knowing. So I, I just listened to that voice. And I also heard this other voice within me saying, I need you to love me. And that was my body. That was my body screaming. I need you to love me. And I need you to not be abusive. And I need you to not judge me. And I need you to just show up and for me in, in, in all and every way that you can. Because with all the weight that I have, I was very abusive towards my body. I used to do six hours of cardio at a time or have a lot of diet tea and be really sick to my stomach. And 
you know, you name it, I did all the things that, that anybody with an eating disorder or body dysmorphia would do. So at that moment, I was like, oh my God, my body is like screaming at me. And I told myself that, you know, if I make it through this, I'm going to do something to help the world with my art. Like in some way, shape or form, I'm going to use my art in a transformative way for people. And so I went through my surgery and, you know, everything was great. It was contained within my uterus and they just took out my uterus and I didn't have to go through chemo or anything. And then I started to, you know, heal myself and work with, um, work with um, um, eating disorder programs and trying to build my relationship with my body and my food. And there was this, um, there was this place where I went to where they had a TED talk. And the TED talk was about um, how women with early childhood issues end up having heart disease or cancer in their reproductive organs. And at this moment, although I had healed and forgiven these people in my life, I never thought that carrying all that stress in my life from that childhood would result in me manifesting it as cancer in my body. So I, a lot of anger came up at that time. And as I healed and worked through that, I also attended a, a food addicts and recovery program, which really helped me identify my patterns and why I'm eating and when I emotionally eat. And then I, and then, you know, I, I left that program. I, I, at this point, I've lost a total of 120 pounds. I'm still on my journey. I still have, you know, quite a ways to go before I get to a healthy body weight, but um, it's really not about the weight anymore. It's about just showing up for myself authentically on a daily basis. As I continued my journey, I, you know, uh, was in a relationship with this really amazing individual, which I thought who I thought I was going to marry, but he also came into my life and left to be able to return me back to my true self. So with all the painful situations that I've encountered within my life, I always was seeking for something outside of myself to fulfill me in emotionally and to fulfill me within myself. But the more I sought outside of myself, the more unfulfilled I was. And I realized that there were so many patterns that kept repeating, repeating, repeating. People would come into my life, I would give them my all, and then they would leave, uh, making me feel completely like, you know, I didn't matter and I wasn't worth it. But with each person, I learned more and more about myself. Until the last relationship I had, it made me completely, completely break down who I thought I was and get rid of all the patterns I was going through in my life to be able to evolve and come together as who I am, to be able to do the work that I'm doing. And after this breakup, I really isolated myself and I worked a lot, a lot on my mind, my body, my soul, and really dissecting who I was from childhood up until now. And one thing that really, really helped me was um, listening to Wayne Dyer. And this was, this was my light bulb moment. And I was listening to one of his talks one day. If, if you guys are not familiar with Wayne Dyer, he's an amazing motivational speaker. You should definitely check him out, out on YouTube. Um, he was talking about, he grew up from 
he was born and then his dad left and he grew up from foster home to foster home to foster home from the age of like maybe three to 11 or something like that. And as he grew up later in his life, he went on to become this motivational speaker who taught people mainly about self-reliance. And most of his teachings are how to learn and get and receive and survive in this world completely relying just on yourself without needing anything from anyone outside of yourself. And he said that when we know what our purpose is going to be, life is going to give us the experiences we need to have in order for us to fulfill our purpose. Mm. So if he didn't grow up from foster home to foster home as a little kid, he would never have learned self-reliance because nothing is going to teach you self-reliance like being in a foster home by yourself is going to teach you. So his soul already knew what it would what it would later have to do in life to be able to accomplish what it needs to accomplish. So it gave him those experiences his, his entire life so he could be able to teach what overcoming going from all this, going from going from um, foster home to foster home is like and how to be self-reliant that there's always something within us that doesn't require anything. And as I reflected on that, I was like, I've always wanted to be a healer in some way, shape or form. And the experience I, experiences I had as a childhood were very, very difficult and I healed and I overcame from them. And those were just tools in helping me prepare myself to be the healer that I am today. So that completely took away all the resentment I had for those people. It made me forgive. It made me have compassion and it made me have gratitude because one, forgiveness is for ourselves. It's never for the other person and hurt people hurt people. So I began to realize that whatever they did to me probably is something that happened to them. And then I, I detached from all the stories that I told myself my whole life that, oh my God, I've been molested. I have PCOS. I, you know, I blah, blah, blah. I had blame for all these things outside of myself that were telling me that you are not where you need to be because of all these things that happened outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. Then I just, I just decided to detach from that story um, to come where I am today. I was just going to say you were like playing the victim, which is a huge shift that PCOS divas have to make and that mindset shift from being that victim to kind of taking charge of your life, um, which, which is, is a difficult thing to do. It's easy. It's much easier to stay in that pity party victim place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I stayed in that space for a long time until I, until I realized that I just want to take responsibility for who I am and how I feel. And nobody really is responsible for how we feel except us. Like nobody hurts us. Nobody does anything to us. Life, in fact, is always happening for us is what I have learned to see for myself because every so-called painful, traumatic, dramatic, or you know, adverse situation I've been through has just gotten me to my truer, higher more resilient, stronger self in order to be able to do the work I'm supposed to do here in the world. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell us about that work. Um, 
but I wanted to just back up in the work that I've done over the years with PCOS. Um, it's often that women who have had some type of childhood trauma, you know, like you, um, it manifests, um, in some way as PCOS or, um, you know, maybe it's like rejection of the feminine, um, or it's the, uh, some type of, uh, dis-ease in the reproductive organs. Um, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to point people also to podcast number 121. Uh, I did that podcast with Dr. Keisha Ewers, and we talked about childhood trauma and PCOS. Um, and that's a, another powerful podcast to listen to if any of what um, Nafshin is kind of saying is bringing up some things for you as well. Um, but I loved what you were saying, Nafshin, about self-love and realizing that you needed to partner with your body instead mm -hmm. of um, punishing it. I think that that is a huge aha and breakthrough that a lot of women um, find they need to make in order to, to truly heal. Yes, absolutely. I feel like when we're, when we're against our body, we're in resistance to the wisdom of our body. So our body as, as wise beyond words and the, and the thoughts that come into our, our mind about our body, that it's big or it's not good enough, or I don't want to be where I want to be, or we judge it every single day. That's what the body listens to. And it's going to give you more of that. Mm -hmm. If you, if we're just in complete acceptance for it exactly how it is, and then we do the things that we, we do to it, to nurture it and take care of it in a healthy way, and feed it the foods it needs to feel to to thrive and to feel nourished and then we let go of the outcome we exercise and remove our body and we feed it healthy foods without expecting it to change or look a certain way it will just automatically um let go of what it needs to let go of that's not serving it anymore mm -hmm. and i can't say that i'm in, in all honesty, I can't say that I'm fully there myself, but I'm on the journey of embracing that as well. Because, because I've been on a weight loss journey for a long time, and I've been through the the judgment and the working out really hard and the restrictive diets and all of that. And now I just want to really choose the path of least resistance. Like I'm doing what I need to do for my body. I'm showing up for myself, mind, body, and soul every day. And then I'm going to let the wisdom of the universe and my body take over from there. Mm, I love that. I, I like to think of weight loss as a byproduct of bringing your body, um, you know, your body, mind, and spirit into balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I think if you're internally happy with who you are and doing what you're doing and serving your purpose, then your body just naturally lets go of whatever mm -hmm. it's holding on to. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, um, having that experience of being in love and the love itself sort of feeds you and mm -hmm. food just doesn't become as important. And, and that, Correct. so Correct. it's, it, and when you lack, um, something to be passionate about, I think often 
um, we replace that passion with, you know, food or, or other things that, um, you know, may be harmful to us. So, so I think for you and, and for a lot of women with PCOS, we are really highly creative women. And I find that when we're suffering and struggling, we've lost touch with our creativity. And that was something that I think you had, um, you could really speak to is, kind of rediscovering and um I mean your your artwork is amazing and you know I hope that that listeners will check out your website and see the work that you do um but you know finding that that um passion and creative expression was uh, a real way for you to to heal so I'd love for you to talk about that uh about my work yeah well about about um, getting back in touch with your creativity, mm-hmm. you know, working at Apple, um, like why you said that that was wonderful for providing for your mom and for yourself, mm-hmm. but it was something that really didn't feed you on a deeper level. No, exactly. And so my soul was dying. I mean, I, I'm a highly creative individual with a degree in design and photography, and I was stuck in a cubicle for nine years. And um after I healed from cancer the second time and I started working back and taking calls and answering and doing technical support, there was just one day I woke up and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this for one more second. I cannot do this for one more minute because I was at a point where, where I would accumulate two vacation hours and I would take them because I just, I just could not sit on that table anymore. My physical body couldn't, my, my mind couldn't, my soul couldn't. And I didn't have much in savings, but I I knew that if I don't take the step now to quit and leave and follow my heart and my passion, that I'm never going to do it and I'm going to be stuck in the circle. So I I took the leap of faith and I I quit that job and uh, I started doing my photography and my art and, you know... um, I just, I just surrendered to, to the universe and I've, you know, been taken care of since then. It's not been easy. It's not been like a, a regular paycheck that you have to rely on every month, but I've never been homeless and I've never been unfed. So I just com- continue to trust that the work that I'm doing in the world is going to be, going to be sufficient. So I didn't want to just do art. You know, I wanted art to make some sort of a difference in the world. And, um, as I've learned and grown and healed through this time, there's there's so much that I have accumulated in my little, you know, uh, plethora of all the things that I can do for people and with people in order to for them to get to their higher place of healing and connected connection with themselves and freedom from themselves. Because like really what we are seeking is complete unconditional love for ourselves because you cannot receive or give out what you are not and what you don't have within you. We're always seeking love. We can't seek love or receive it unless we fully embody unconditional love for ourselves in every aspect. And um, so I realized that my, my gifts in life are one is um, effortless connection with human beings. Cause I feel like I've always had that ever since I was a kid, I make friends anywhere. I'm able to connect people always approach me and you know they tell me 
their their life and so I feel like I just have easy it's easy for me to connect with people and then I have the gift of creativity and so now having done all the work that I've done I have the gift of healing so I combined all three of my gifts and in, in, into an art meditation and healing program that I um, do with individuals it's an eight-week course I always teach an intro class for people to see if they would you know be interested in the eight-week course and the courses are like, you know, with, for different subject matters having to do with the things that I've worked on and healed with on my own. Uh, the first course is to just uh, get conscious and um, let go of your ego and get, get more into your soul, connect more with who you are and your true self that makes you happy. Let go of all your old patterns, connecting with your inner child and healing with your inner child. So it's an eight-week course that helps you do that. And then there's one that's just about women and bodies and loving our bodies regardless of how they are. And then there's one for women or men, men and women who, who want to overcome molestation. And the way the course works right now, it's all virtual. I would love to have a space one day that I could teach them in person. But uh, we all come together once a week. It's a two-hour class. Uh, we meet and give them a little spiritual lesson about a particular subject we're going to talk about that day. Some of the lessons are based on the poets and the mystics of the 18th centuries who I, who I grew up reading and listening to. And then we do a meditation based on the subject. And after the meditation, we write, we journal to whatever came through in our meditation, and then we paint about it. So it's a way for us to heal and to express what is within us on a two-dimensional surface. So we're actually taking mm -hmm. out what's inside of us and putting it on a canvas. And surprisingly, this is not for anybody who, any, if you have never held a paintbrush in your life, you can still attend this. And actually, those are the people who come up with the most phenomenal paintings at the end of the class, because you have completely let go of your mind. You're painting solely from your soul and your heart, which is all feeling. Your, your mind is completely detached from the process. Um, other than that, I, I do Reiki healing. I do one-on-one -on -one, uh, transformational coaching. And I do personalized meditations. So this is what I'm working on right now and creating. And, and this is the work of my life, hopefully, that I will continue to do. And, you know, and being a wonderful example to us uh, to transform that pain and suffering um, of PCOS and, um, you know, the pain that you've experienced in life to your really to your purpose and living your passion and making a difference in the world. Um, uh, if you were to condense down your journey and ways to move beyond that pain and suffering, I I've, I've heard through, um, your testimony today, the, that self-love is so important partnering with your body moving beyond those limiting beliefs and stories that you tell yourself, uh, connecting with your and expressing yourself create creatively. Um, what else am I missing? Um, I think it's letting go of all the things you thought you were to be, to be who you're truly supposed to be, because we attach ourselves so much with the story, like, you know, I attached myself with, I, I was molested my whole life. I have PCOS. Uh, you know, I don't have support in my life. I can't do ABC. 
those are all just stories we we attach to ourselves if you want to do something in your life you have everything in the now moment to be able to accomplish that like mm-hmm. you have everything that you need work with what you have i don't i don't have a space where i can host things in person so i i do it online i don't have a space where i can do reiki healing professionally but i have a meditation space in the back of my house so i do it there like there's always a way that you can work with things and in truth it's it's not your environment that's going to help you accomplish what you accomplish is the energy with which you authentically want to be of service or pursue your passion that you want to pursue mm, i love that well you know, I think, um, I think we'll stop there. Uh, that, that was a, a, a great way to um, wrap up this PCOS Diva podcast. I am so thankful that you came on and inspired us with your amazing story. Where can listeners hear, uh, learn more about your work and learn more about your classes? Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Amy, for this opportunity and for having me. It's been it's been really wonderful. So um, they can connect with me on Facebook on my, my main page, which is Nafshin Luhar, or they can connect with me on Instagram at Luhar Creative, or uh, they can connect, uh, connect with me on my website, which is luharcreative.com. And we will put all of those links in our show notes. And again, Nafshin, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. And thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of the PCS Diva podcast. And I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcusdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.